Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, lots to go over. There's been a lot of news happening in the last several days. And, of course, with the holidays, have missed some of it. But I am glad to be back, glad to talk about these things with you. Of course, want to talk about it with you. You can call in here on our hotline 232-1542, and you can send a message through the KPEL app chat by just opening up the app, hitting that little chat icon-looking button, and you can send a message, select general message. I'll read that, and I can interact with you on the air that way as well. All right, so I want to start out today with with actually something that, that could very well be commendable for the Biden administration, although there are a couple of caveats that I want to go into. The Biden administration is actually looking like they might start getting a little tough on China. There's a story in Politico today, and I think it's worth going over because if the Biden administration does follow through and does do this right, it actually does end up being a net good for the country and for American citizens. The problem is I'm not sure how dedicated they are and how, how willing to be, how tough they're willing to be on the Chinese. I've, I've talked about it before. One of the things that really makes it difficult for the American economy to really stand up on its own is the fact that so many of our major corporations and groups have market interest in China and have, given in to some of the demands of the authoritarian Chinese regime. So a lot of those business interests in China come with strings attached. When you run a command economy like the Chinese do, strings are government strings are attached to any business decision that you make there. There's a lot of issues at play. Apple is one of those. Apple is one of those innovative tech uh, companies in the world. Uh, and they want to be in the Chinese market. They have outsourced a lot of operations to China, but there's a gigantic customer base there. Obviously, if you're a big global business, you want to have business in a country that has a population of a billion. The NBA will routinely cut deals with China because NBA basketball is popular in China, but the NBA is not allowed to say certain things or the players are not allowed to say or do certain things that may question the Chinese authority, things that would be offensive to the Chinese. Hollywood as well has to censor things before they go to the Chinese market. There are a lot, not just payment sectors, but like I said, the tech sector and others, uh, pharmaceuticals, another one. A lot of our pharmaceutical production is actually outsourced to China. A lot of the things that our pharmaceutical industry needs are in China. Same with microchips, same with the lithium batteries that you need for those electric vehicles the Biden administration wants us to buy. A lot of those things we get out of China because they're one of the biggest vendors. They have those resources available. And so a lot of the business in those sectors is dependent on the Chinese. If the Chinese decide to lock their economy down to the from the outside world, there's nothing we could do, and it would cripple a lot of businesses. It would do a lot of damage to those businesses and a lot of those sectors. 
But the Biden administration, which is, you know, had to deal with an economic rough patch pretty much since they came into Congress, a lot of which they've exacerbated. Uh, they have to find a way to make the American economy and market better able to stand on their own and keep China's growth and aggressive play for regional dominance in check because the Chinese are a very nationalist country. They are interested only in themselves and how to uh, how to grow, extend their power in the region, become that regional power that they were in times past. So according to Politico, there are a combination of rules, executive orders, and congressional legislation that will be coming in 2023 that are aimed at China's high-tech sectors. Some of it began this past fall, and some of it is an escalation of what Donald Trump was doing with his tariff war with the Chinese, whether or not you liked the tariff war. I was not a fan of it, but it was clear that the Trump administration understood that China— and it's extending its influence, was a threat to the American economy. So from Politico, the new federal rules, executive orders, and pending legislation aimed at China's high-tech sectors, which began this fall and will continue in 2023, are the culmination of years of debate spanning three administrations. Taken together, they represent an escalation of former Donald Trump's tariffs and trade disputes against Beijing that could ultimately do more to slow Chinese technological and economic development and divide the two economies than anything the 45th president did while in office. You really have a sea change in the way that they're looking at the relationship with China, said Cleet Williams, who helped design the China economic policy in the Trump White House as deputy assistant to the president for international economics and deputy director of the National Economic Council. That's a very long title. The Biden administration views Chinese indigenous innovation as a per se national security threat, and that is a big leap from where we've ever been before. In essence, the Biden administration is understanding now that the more the Chinese grow their own economy based on high tech sectors, the more of a threat they become to the American market for a multitude of reasons. The Chinese have actors that are hacking our systems. The Chinese have flat-out stolen technology, stolen plans, stolen blueprints, things like that from American companies in order to produce their own uh, tech. And this is, the Biden administration understands, a problem. The new strategy, according to Politico, which the Biden administration internally calls its protect agenda is being rolled out this fall and winter in a series of executive actions. In October, the Commerce Department issued new rules aimed at cutting off Chinese firms ability to manufacture advanced computer chips. They will soon be followed by an executive order creating new federal authority to regulate U.S. investments in China. Congress is participating as well, drafting its own bipartisan versions of Chinese investment screening potential rules on American capital flows into China, and restrictions on TikTok and other apps that Hawks hope can be passed next Congress. I don't hate any of this. I think it's a good start. I think Washington, D.C. is on the right track in this particular case. But there is an issue. I said earlier, I don't know that the Biden administration is willing to be tough enough on China. 
we've already gone started going after Chinese farmers' ability to produce computer chips. But the materials needed to make those chips also come from China. Much like the lithium needed for electric vehicle batteries. It's not exactly environmentally friendly. So my first worry is that, is the Biden administration going to be okay with other parts of the world drilling and digging for these rare earth minerals? Because they are highly toxic to the environment. And the Biden administration has shown that it is willing to bend the knee to the environmentalist movement. So I have that concern. But the Biden administration is trying to be competitive to China, with China without attempting any sort of decoupling with the Chinese marketplace. You can't really be competitive with them if large segments of your own country's major industries are in bed with the Chinese government to have access to their markets. You have to find a way to decouple those industries from the Chinese marketplace. But a little bit of a libertarian conservative problem there. How much government interference in American business practices is allowed to try to separate those businesses from the account, from the Chinese marketplace. It gets tricky. What's more, if America does take the lead on tech and defense research and development, which is what the administration seems to be aiming for right now, that doesn't actually do anything to cut off China's ability to limit what we can get out of the country. Those those computer chips, those minerals, the things we need to make that R&D possible. And the Chinese government is more than willing to kick out American industries if they see us as a viable threat to their own growth and expansion. The Chinese will absolutely do that. The, the Biden administration won't. The Biden administration, I don't think, is willing to go that far with the Chinese government, is not willing to retaliate in a way that has a meaningful impact. What's worse is the fact that China is not being shy about its intention to do everything that I've talked about here. Also from the Politico piece, the ruling Communist Party, national security officials believe, was developing a strategy to dominate critical industries of the future like rare earth minerals, semiconductors, and solar panels. Beijing wasn't exactly trying to hide it. In 2015, the Communist Party released its Made in China 2025 strategy, a massive state subsidies to 10 critical industrial sectors aimed at making Chinese firms globally dominant. Such a strategy coupled with aggressive lending to developing nations would make much of the world reliant on Beijing for their economic growth and military development. For years, the United States has stood by and allowed the Chinese to get away with using soft power, giving a lot of money and a lot of loans and a lot of other things to the developing world. The U.S. focused solely on hard power, for the most part, using its military to help prop up and defend areas around the world. Russia and China used soft power, used money to help the developing world and help them build up, but it came at a cost. A lot of those loans that the Chinese government gave out to developing countries were given at an interest rate that was so high those countries couldn't pay it back. So instead, the Chinese get their money back in the form of land from these developing countries. And the Chinese get to use that land for their purposes. So now we're starting way behind the Chinese and trying to catch up. 
our science, our industrial sector is still better than the Chinese. Don't get me wrong. But, but we don't have access to the materials the Chinese have because we've been ignoring the threat that they've posed on the global market stage. So I'm glad the Biden administration is starting it, but I'm worried that they are not willing to go and take the steps needed to be able to stop the Chinese from dominating our marketplace. All right, 232-1542, we're going to take a break. We will be back here in just a moment on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, uh, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. So this, this, again, perfectly fine with the Biden administration wanting to get tough, wanting to compete uh, with the Chinese in terms of economic development, wanting to limit the Chinese influence and dominance over certain sectors. I think that's a very good thing. But the Biden administration is very late to this game. And part of the issue is a lot of the things they want to do are, frankly, an admission of what the Trump administration was warning of with regards to China. I know some of the people I've met, some of the people I've listened to, some of the people who worked in the Trump administration speak on foreign issues. They're right. The Chinese have long been a threat, and the Obama administration knew it as well. But they did nothing. They grew concerned, but they really did nothing about it. The Trump administration came in and had some ideas and started to implement them. The tariffs, the the, the tariff war did not like that because that hurts the American consumer. But the idea behind it was sound. The idea that you have to find some way to restore American independence in the marketplace for a lot of these industries. So the issue now is the Biden administration going forward, acknowledging that, that China is an economic threat without admitting the Trump administration is correct. They have flatly refused to say anything about what Trump and his administration said about China. They have flat out refused that rhetoric. So they're trying to slowly create something that would combat China and combat what they plan to do on the global stage in some of these sectors. The Biden administration has so hated Donald Trump that everything Donald Trump did, they did a complete 180 on. And look at where it's gotten us so far. This is an admission that something Trump did was correct. And so they are now having to come up with their own plan that makes it look like they're acknowledging China's a threat without acknowledging that Trump and his administration is correct. And that's why you're seeing this plan develop very, very slowly. We're talking about ideas that would take years beyond the Biden administration to implement. Meanwhile, China has been aggressively pushing, not just economically, but territorially, pushing into the sea, pushing against Taiwan, basically daring the Americans to do or say anything about it. And the problem ends up being that America falls behind the Chinese at a time when America cannot afford to. 
I hope that they make the right decision. They start playing the game a little bit more aggressively, but we shall see. All right, let's get into our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, the Democrats have picked their new topic of the day, and it has nothing to do with the economy or immigration. We'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message to the KPEL app. Reach out to the show, and I will be glad to respond to you there as well. So the Democrats have, they've landed, or some, some Democrats at least, have landed on the next big topic they want to tackle. And if it sounds familiar, it's because it is. Voting rights. So the Democrats had a better-than-expected midterm, thanks in large part to uh, Republicans not being able to seal the independent moderate vote. Not going to rehash all of that again. Uh, but the Democrats need a line of attack going forward because when you when you dig into the data, what you see is that the Democrats are still losing on issues like the economy, like immigration, like crime. They had no answer to those issues in 2022 in November. What they did have was an alternative to bad candidates. And so that's who voters went with. The Democrats have been focused on the voting rights issue for a couple of years, well, for a while, but really have been harping on it for the past couple of years. They've been trying to revamp the American voting system largely in response to Republican states passing news laws that tighten election security. Democrats scream that this is racist, this is depriving people of the vote. There's no no evidence of that whatsoever. In Georgia, for example, uh, black turnout was higher than ever before. What you did have was fewer people early in absentee voting and mail-in voting because of the new laws, which is what Republicans were going for. The Democrats want to expand these things. And it should be noticed that while Europe and a lot of the developing a lot of the developed world is uh, far more progressive than even American Democrats, um, they are not so progressive that they favor election systems that take more than one day to determine results. Uh, other countries routinely make fun of American elections because it takes so long for some of those races to be decided. Because the Democrats have expanded early and absentee and mail-in voting, have put in measures that make it almost impossible for some states and districts to count their vote on time, we get mocked by the rest of the world. No other developed country takes a week or more to determine who won an election that only covers 750,000 people in a congressional race. But America does it. It's just weird. But that's what we're settled on. So Democrats look at things like expanding early and absentee voting. They looked at things like ranked choice voting. They, looked at, they look at these other measures ostensibly as a way to get more voter engagement. But really... It's all about turnout. And in particular, it's turnout in two specific areas, the youth and minority groups. 
This from the New York Times. For the last two years, Democrats in battleground states have played defense against Republican efforts to curtail voting access and amplify doubts about the legitimacy of the nation's elections. Well, we all know that's a load of garbage. But now it is the Democrats who have retained all but one of the governor's offices that they hold and won control of state legislatures in Michigan and Minnesota and they're ready to go on offense in 2023. They are putting forward a long list of proposals that include creating automatic voter registration systems, pre-registering teenagers to vote before they turn 18, returning to the fran- returning the franchise to felons released from prison, and criminalizing election misinformation. Since 2020, Republicans inspired by President Donald J. Trump's election lies sought to make voting more difficult for anyone not casting a ballot in person on election day. This is where the New York Times is just incredibly biased. But in the midterm elections, voters across the country rejected the most prominent Republican candidates who embraced false claims about American elections and promised to bend the rules to their party's advantage. Voters want to move forward, and those Republican candidates did not. That's why they lost. The Democrats are taking that as a mandate to push forward with revamping the electoral system, one that favors younger and minority voters. In particular, the move for automatic registration and pre-registration of teenagers before they turn 18 They want to get kids registered to vote early because they want the kids to know they can go vote. Most of the time, kids who are 18 at the time of an election day simply don't care. But anyway, the big deal here, the even bigger deal, is the minority vote. For the last few election cycles, the Democrats have watched in absolute horror as they've gotten a smaller share of black and Hispanic vote than they they had before. Not enough to be like a substantial change, but enough to get the Democrats really worried because it is now a trend. Voting rights is the term that they're using for this. It's not about increasing voter eligibility or voter registration. They're labeling this a voting rights push. Because that motivates those minority voters. It is the key word for Democrats wanting to reach out to minority groups, particularly black voters, which is also a major concern given these last few elections, like I mentioned. The Democrats are responding to several efforts by Republicans to tighten security with the vote. At one point during the height of the COVID pandemic, in fact, The entire Texas legislature, their Democratic caucus, fled the state to block passage of voting security measures. Y'all remember that story? The entire Democratic caucus of the Texas legislature up and fled the state, went to Washington, D.C., and, by the way, they got each other sick with COVID. Because they weren't following the COVID restrictions they wanted to see put on everybody else. But I digress. So the Democrats want to enact policies that are wholly unrelated to voting rights. Pre-registration of teens and automatic registration at 18, those have nothing to do with voting rights. That's voter enrollment. That's voter registration. That has nothing to do with voting rights. But they're calling this big packet of initiatives a voting rights initiative. That, coupled with Democrats' repeated push to try to federalize 
elections is actually kind of problematic. And the end result of all this is that the Democrats are focusing on this issue while the rest of the world passes them by. Because I'm, I can tell you from all the data we saw leading up to the election, all the data from Election Day and all the data since, nobody out there, save for maybe 2 or 3%, actually cares about the voting rights issue right now. They do not see voting rights as under threat. They do not see that as something that, the, that Congress should be focused on. White, black, Hispanic, young voters, all alike, believe the same thing right now. The economy sucks and crime is out of control. That is what they're focused on time and time again. They are focused on those issues rather than these pet projects the Democrats have. And as a result of their focus on this, they are continuing to make themselves appear out of touch with the voters they claim to represent. Black and Hispanic voters are leaving the Democratic Party. They are shifting to the Republican Party. One of the interesting data points is that it's younger black voters. Older black voters, reliably Democratic, reliably partisan. Younger black voters are voting more on economic and societal issues rather than the old balance of power between the Republicans and the Democrats. They're not voting because of all the old issues that drew the Democrats, uh, drew the black voters to the Democrats in the first place. They are voting based on society around them at this minute. Older black voters are more likely to see racism in American institutions than younger black voters are. Younger black voters are looking at those economic issues, they're looking at those crime issues. People who are recent parents especially black mothers, are way more concerned on education and crime issues than they are about uh, racial inequity, voting rights, things like that. Yes, there is still racism in the world, and yes, they still believe that it is there, and they have experienced it in some way, in ways that you and I can't understand. But overall, they have some major concerns when it comes to Neighborhood safety, education, economic issues, job security and job issues. They have a lot of things on their plate that aren't the systemic racism and voting rights issues. Same with Hispanic voters. Hispanic voters, they get there, they get here, their families have been here for a while, and they slowly start drifting to the right because the Democrats have gone so far left and so extreme on a lot of these issues that it sort of starts to mirror the things that those historically Democratic families fled from when they fled their home countries. The Democrats focusing on issues that are not really all that excited, all that exciting for the voters, things that are not in front of their face every day, those voters are starting to look away and say, why are you focusing on this? We just let you keep the Senate. We had hoped that you would pay attention to the issues that we care about. We didn't go with crazy Republicans. We went with you, and yet you're going to start looking at voting rights rather than the economy, rather than crime, rather than immigration, these other things that are affecting our day-to-day lives. 
the Democrats are going to continue to chase away voters. Now it's just up to the Republican Party to try to figure out how to take advantage of that. All right, let's take a break. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show to wrap it up. When we come back, it is Steve Scalise's time to shine. Speaking of who's got control in Congress, let's talk about the leadership race. When we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, the Washington Examiner last week ran a story about Kevin McCarthy's inability to get to the 218 votes needed to become Speaker of the House. A group of lawmakers has approached number two Republican Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana about running for House Speaker in the next Congress should McCarthy's bid fail, telling him to just be ready, sources familiar told Politico. Scalise could offer a more agreeable alternative to McCarthy as the House Minority Leader has faced opposition from a handful of Republicans that has threatened to derail his speakership bid. However, the closed-door conversations could put Scalise in a difficult position. Publicly, the Louisiana Republican has declined to comment on the matter, instead pointing to previous statements he made endorsing McCarthy and maintaining he would not run against him. Does he want to be Speaker? Absolutely. Is he going to screw Kevin? Absolutely not, one person close to Scalise said. Right now, Kevin McCarthy is struggling to get the votes he needs to become Speaker of the House. For this, we should all celebrate. Kevin McCarthy's not a conservative. He's barely a Republican. He's a California Republican of the worst sort, whose only attraction to the job is power and influence. There is not a single issue on which he is firmly devoted. There is not a single talking point which he will not flip-flop on on a moment's notice. When it comes to a controversial issue, he will lick his finger, stick it in the air, and see which, which way the wind is blowing before taking a side. He has never found a fence that he would not sit on until the last minute. Kevin McCarthy in no way, shape, or form should be Speaker of the House of Representatives. He should not be in leadership in the Republican Party at all. And it should be noted, this is twice now that McCarthy has been unable to secure the speakership, despite trying his damnedest. Because if you'll recall, he was set to become the next leader of the Republicans in the House. But instead, at the last second, it went to Paul Ryan. Now, the open secret in Washington, D.C., the secret everybody kind of knew about but nobody really talked about, was the fact that McCarthy was apparently having an affair with another representative, Renee Elmers, at the time. When that came out, instead the Republicans said, okay, this, this is not great, we don't want this to come out. Will you be the speaker said? And Paul Ryan said, sure, okay. And they passed Paul Ryan's tax reform plan. And then Paul Ryan stepped down and Kevin McCarthy took over an incoming minority in the House. And here we are with Kevin McCarthy wanting to be Speaker of the House again, and he still can't secure the votes because conservatives are standing up against him. So that brings us to Steve Scalise. I think Steve Scalise should be the Speaker of the House. And it's not because I think Scalise is some sort of avant-garde conservative. He's 
fairly he's fairly uh, establishment. But Scalise has convictions. And Scalise is willing to work with conservatives and he's willing to work with the opposing side as well. The moderates, not the Democrats. Scalise is probably the only person in Washington, D.C. right now who could be able to unite moderate and and conservative Republicans in the House. But that requires the Republicans to accept the truth here. Kevin McCarthy is not speaker material. And I hope to God that the Republicans realize that. And I hope that they make their decision pretty soon because we're getting on toward the time when they have to have their vote. The next Congress will be seated. They will have to pick a speaker. I really hope it's not Kevin McCarthy. And I hope that Steve Scalise will accept the the call when it comes to him. All right, you guys, it's been a fantastic one. I'll be back in 23 hours, and we'll talk about even more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and of course, subscribe to my Substack. You can get all of my columns daily, JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. I'll be back again soon. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.